You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome everyone to our brand new dedicated series that we are calling the Patron Mailbag. This is episode number one and as part of our big overall transition here, we are breaking some things apart and moving some things, playing a little bit of a shell game, moving things around. We used to do the questions as part of the main show, it just got long and by the time you get to the two hour mark, it's just not enough time, everybody's getting a little long winded, so we wanted to give our patrons a their own dedicated show where we could answer their questions dedicate some time to them and have their own separate live stream so outside of the live show these will still be going up on to uh our normal podcast but just as a separate episode so just making sure everybody understands everything welcome to episode number one my name is nick howell and i am sir ian dangerous and i'm really excited about this nick because uh, as opposed to having to rush through the questions on our regular show, now we get to sit down and have a real mailbag episode and really gnaw on these questions because we have been getting some great ones, and I have no doubt we'll be getting more and better ones in the future. Uh, yes. and it's just going to continue to grow. So uh, yes. looking forward to this very much day, this inaugural, this kickoff, this this debut, this debut episode. Debut. Love patron mailbag. So, yes, yeah, so if you guys would like to get your questions into the show you got to become a patron, and you got to support the show, and we greatly appreciate it if you do. And those of you who already are patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you guys so very much. It does make this show easier to put on yes. week in and week out. Uh, so head on over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up for one of our tiers so that you too can get your, listen, your listener questions in on this very show, which will be going up live on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Lee forward slash BWO. Uh, every Saturday after our our flagship live show, which starts at uh, noon Pacific, three Eastern, here in the old United States of America. So, yes, thank you guys for joining us today, Nick. I am ready to do some questions. If you are, sir, you're the one with the the whole list of questions there. Uh, I, I'm ready to to dive into these. Let's if you're ready. do it. Uh, we're gonna kick things off with a Jacob Uhas. Uh yeah. Chris Jericho is known to reinvent himself and his gimmick. What has been what has been Jericho's best gimmick and what has been his worst? Mm. Worst, I, th- I think, is an easy one. That would be like 2007 returning Jericho feuding with Randy Orton and like the sparkly vest. There's just nothing to him there. There wasn't really a whole lot of depth of the character. He was just kind of there. Yeah. Um, I'll put it this way. If there's an era of Chris Jericho that you really can't remember anything impressive about, that's probably the worst one, and that's I can remember nothing special about that run. As far as his best run, gimmick, I guess guess best gimmick, I guess is what he's asking here. Um, and I'm I've ugh, I that's a tough one because he's had a lot of really really good ones. Um, I'm such a huge fan of his work in WCW. It's what got him over for me, the man of a thousand and four holds, uh, with the little top knot and Ralphus. Yeah. Uh, that was just, it was a cornucopia of hilarity. Um, that was a fantastic one. And, um, obviously the, the list Jericho working with Kevin Owens was lights out as well. That was my uh, favorite. Probably Y Y two J. When he was the when he held both titles, even though they booked him as a really weak champ and constantly getting undercut by Stephanie McMahon, it was a really great time and a great gimmick for him. Um, that being said, I I really have to say that his current gimmick, um, you know, what do you whatever maker. you want to call it, pain uh, yeah, pain maker, Clockwork Orange, AEW, bit of the bubbly Jericho, he might be doing his best work of all time. I agree, and I'm I'm. I, 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 it's it's mind blowing to me, the level at which this guy is working, not only in ring but in terms of gimmickry. And I mean, the, he's always been, when he wants to be, a catchphrase and moment machine, like up there with the Rock in terms of being able to just pump out catchphrases. This is a guy that got it, the word it, 
over. I just want to throw that out there to people. Like that's that's <laughs> all right. That's that's the level he's at. Um, but no, his current I mean his current gimmick is is it, whatever you think about his stupid face paint when he was in Japan. Um, you know, rock star asshole Clockwork Orange Jericho right now. It's for me like my nostalgic heart says WCW Jericho, but I think looking at the level he's working at, it's going to be hard to top what he's doing right now. Okay. So for me, I would say I have the soft spot for basically Y2J. Yeah. Um, I, of course, I'm an Attitude Era mark, admittedly, um, but his spats that he used to have and his interruptions where he would interrupt, plus the intro music, the countdown, that whatever that was, uh, just really made made me pop as as a fan, um, and then he would come out and just tear down the rock and tear down the listener. He might be one of the only people that I can think of that could go toe to toe with the rock with funny quips and one liners and all of those kinds of things. He that's it was his debut. His debut yeah. was interrupting the rock, and people forget making that fun actually, of Stephanie's giant boobs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they it was hard to ignore them. Yes. Uh, they kind of came out of nowhere and. We're all over the place, but but no, he debuted and 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 took down the Rock, and but people forget that Rock actually got the better of that exchange on that night, and for a long time Jericho was actually a pariah backstage because of his involvement with WCW, and he was seen as uh, a guy who'd come from that company. You know, he was he was a yeah. uh, a member of the opposition, and so he had to do a lot of work to break in and, and overcome a lot of. Um, you know, d- dislike backstage, not only from the other other boys in the locker room, but from management as well. So he had to overcome a lot coming to WWF. Um, and it was funny because I watched that when he debuted. I watched it live, yeah. and remembered thinking, "That's so awesome, Jericho's in WWF." And at the end of that segment, going, "Ooh, why would you let The Rock bury him at the end of the bit? Like you want to keep him strong, don't you?" And no, they they made him look like an idiot for a number of years. But it's funny because the history books don't show that because his accomplishments looked good, but how they delivered them at the time was really undercutting him. So yeah. that's 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 why I don't have that same nostalgia for that for the Y two J Jericho is because of how they were presenting him at the time. That's fine, uh, but I mean, as far as you know, it, what is his best guess? I think all of this is subjective too. By the way, everybody's that's gonna the have whole their point. Absolutely, yeah, the whole point. I think the stuff that we saw of him in Japan were the beginnings of the pain maker and how it was a rub against Kazuchika Okada as the rainmaker. Um, I think how that's evolved into the character he is today, coming out with the spike jacket Kenny. and the hat and. Um, I'm yeah, Kenny. Sorry. Well, no, he, he he evolved into Okada. Like it started off with I understand Kenny Omega, right. and then he the painmaker came from his feud with Okada as well. You're right. But, you're, but like what, you said, what that's come forward as in as the Clockwork Orange sort yep. of little bit of paint with the spike jacket and the hat, and his song Judas, love it or hate it, is a great entrance song for him. You know, it, it's. What he is presenting today in AEW, I 100% agree with you. We may be witnessing his best work today. Yeah. So I that's for me the worst one. I agree with you. It's the it's the stuff that uh, nobody remembers in the late 2000s. So thank you, Jacob. That was a great question, and it's it's good to you know if you look at Jericho, if you look at Chris Jericho, and you go back to he's been doing this over 20 years now. And most of the guys that have been doing this over 20 years are either so broken and battered that they can't even hardly walk down the ramp anymore, or they've moved on to have other careers or other promotions, or they're running companies now. (laughs) If you look at someone that has spanned over 20 years in the business and is still working at the level that Jericho is working today, I don't think there's anybody out there. He the the That's more time that goes on, like if you'd asked me in 2014 if I thought Jericho was one of the greatest of all time, I'd have said no, he's good, but he's he's fine. I, right. I, I would definitely not have. I th- I the, what he's done the last five years in terms of his career is mind blowing in yeah. so many ways, and it definitely has made him. Uh, it, it, he's he's shot up the rankings of of all timers because of this late era resurgence. 
Um, totally. I actually remember WWE at one point had they had like their episodes of Countdown on WWE Network, and they called this was this would have been like 2014 or 15, and they called Chris Jericho the greatest intercontinental champion of all time in WWE, and I was so offended. I was so deeply offended by that. I thought it was absolute bullshit. Um, I don't. I think if I saw that episode for the first time today, I wouldn't be quite. I would. I wouldn't have be quite so pissed off as I was then, and being like, "That's that's not true at all." Um, now I'm like, oh, I mean, we we didn't mention Naito in the Intercontinental Championship. Um, we didn't. You know, there's uh, there's all kinds of stuff that that since leaving that, WWE. Yeah, just that stretch. You know, yeah, I, I think that you know after the best the Festival of Friendship stuff with the list of Jericho and it I thought that was about as good as it, it as Jericho was going to get right and then we saw what was next with New Japan and now AEW mm. it just keeps getting better and I have no explanation for it other than he's a damn genius yep yeah so great question Jacob thank you very much for that one uh next up Patrick Power rank your top five. This one's going to be hard. You're asking us a bonus or a bonus episode kind of caliber question here. Power rank your top five WWE pay-per-views of all time, not including NXT, because they give the main roster no chance. So top five. Oh Jesus! WWE pay-per-views of all time. It, it, you warned me about this one. And I, I still forgot, I forgot to think about it. Um, so this is going to kind of just be off the top of my head. I think if you if you gave me an hour to ponder, it'd be probably different. But I'll just list the ones that pop into my head first. Mine are, mine are going to be based on moments. Uh, just full disclosure. Like, okay. So you're not you're not going to be doing like what was the best pay per views of all time? Yeah. Okay. I'll do the same. I'll I'll just say like what the pay per views that I I just like love. Yeah. Um, and I can't promise they're going to be in like exact WWE rankings, like fifth, fifth fourth, third, second, and one. I'll just list off a bunch of the ones that I that pop into my mind yeah. as being just re- pay per views I can watch any time and be like, yes, it's time for that pay per view. Yes. Um, uh, WrestleMania 17 off the top of my head has got to be in there around the top um, for sure. And while we're talking WrestleManias, I'm going to have to say 31 because that was the one that I was at. And it was a great it was a great card as well, um, and uh, Seth I, cashing so in just Seth ca- made it. Jesus, one of my favorite moments ever at a live wrestling show was Seth yeah. cashing in in that show. Absolutely, one of my favorite moments ever incredible. in wrestling was that. And Seth Rusev cashing. coming out in a tank, Daniel Bryan at the top yeah. of a ladder, getting eighty thousand people you're, doing. You're doing yes. all of mine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, let's go back and forth. Okay, I've got two out. Let's get. Let's hear two of yours. Uh, my first two are going to be Seth and Rusev. Well, son of a bit. Oh, you're doing moments. You're not doing whole pay-per-views. Yeah, I, I just I I'm I can't remember the entire cards of every pay-per-view ever. Short oh, of okay. going and doing like research and stuff, which I, I did I haven't done since I put this post up last night. <laughs> so sorry, Patrick. You're kind of getting. I here's what I'll say. This is this is one of those Ian that we always say we need to put on the list uh, as potential bonus episodes for these guys. So I think this is a good one that we need to do. But let's pick our maybe top five WWE pay per view moments. I'm just I'm still on pay per views. I, I, okay. I I've got I've got the rest of mine. Okay. So okay, okay. I'll tell you what I'll do I'll do my pay per views the one I, ones I have in my head. You give me your moments. How about that? Uh, sure. So, so I'm seven. Yeah. WrestleMania seventeen and thirty one. Rumble ninety two. I can put that. I can put Royal Rumble ninety two on anytime. I any match. The the Rumble match is the best Rumble match of all time. It's got everybody's on that damn show. Um, Rumble 92 might be my greatest pay-per-view of all time just because I can always put it on and be entertained. Uh, the, I mean, the matches before the Rumble aren't even that great, but I, like, what was it like a 15-minute Bushwhackers match? It's brutal. Uh, but, it's, but it's still, I love that pay-per-view. Um, I'm going to have to say King of the Ring 98 just because of the Hell in the Cell match and how many times I've watched that, although I'm sure if I had more time, I'd find another pay-per-view from around that time that I just remember liking a lot too. But God, I've watched King of the Ring 98 so much. Uh, and finally, and this counts as WWE because it was at the time the ECW was owned by WWE, but One Night Stand 2006. I can watch that front to back anytime. That is a, what was such that a one? wild internet. That was the one where John Cena was a heel against Rob Van Dam in the main event. You, oh, had, you had the intergender yeah. hardcore match with... Um, it was Edge, Lita, and Mick Foley 
versus Beulah, Terry Funk, and Tommy Dreamer. Um, Kurt Angle and Randy Orton had a match. And um, Balls Mahoney, Masato Tanaka. Um, Taz murdered Jerry Lawler and everyone loved it. Yeah, it was a... It was a uh, oh, you had um, uh, FBI versus Super Crazy and Tajiri. Uh, it, was a, it was a great card. It was a, it, uh, as hot of a crowd as you'll ever see. Uh, absolute insanity. And, and honestly, John Cena's entrance here is the only time you'll ever see John Cena be a heel ever now. And he worked it as a heel. It was goddamn brilliant. Yeah. Uh, if you have never seen this pay-per-view, for the love of God, go watch it. One of my favorites. So um, there's, I'm gonna, there's five. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw Survivor Series '97 out there um, because you had a lot of the four-on-four matches, but the big matches were you had Kane and Mankind with oh, Colbert. Yeah. You had um, Legion of Doom and Nate. I had to look this up to make sure that I was remembering right because I wasn't sure if it was '97 or not. But you had Ken Shamrock and Ahmed Johnson. Uh, with okay. the Legion of Doom and then versus Nation of Domination. So it's basically Legion of Doom and Nation oh, of Domination. Oh, I remember that match. That, is that um, the one where Ahmed came out with the two-by-four? Uh, I think so, yeah. But okay. all these are four-on-four. Four. Like so the Godwins and New Age Outlaws with the Headbangers and the New Blackjacks on a Survivor Series elimination match. You had Truth Commission, which was, you know, and the Disciples of the Apocalypse. So four-on-four four Survivor Series match. Team Canada versus Team USA was probably the biggest one of them. British Bulldog, uh, Jim Neidhart, uh, Anvil, uh, and then versus Team USA, which was Gold Dust, Mark Marrow, Steve Blackman, and Vader with Sable ringside in a four-on-four Survivor Series. I just this is one of those pay-per-views that always stood out to me. And then the other singles matches were probably two of the bigger matches, maybe ranking in the all-time. Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, beating Owen Hart um, with British Bulldog, Furnace, Anvil, and Lafone uh, as ringside. And then finally, the main event of Shawn Michaels uh, beating Bret Hart by submission. That was around the time that Owen broke his neck, wasn't it? Broke uh, Stone Cold's neck. Broke Stone Cold's neck. I believe it was this match. I believe yeah, this is I think why so, this right? pay per view always stands out in wrestling history. Horrible moment. I never want to watch yeah. that match again. Yeah. So oh. this is this is one of those big pay per views that that I would throw out there as a whole pay per view. If you've never seen it, the four on four matches were great. Uh, you had tons of names, tons of legends uh, in, in a lot of these late 90s pay-per-views. Um, and I couldn't remember whether it was that Survivor Series or if it was uh, one of the No Mercy. Uh, I think it was 99 No Mercy was the other one that I was trying to think of. Uh, Triple H's Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything goes match for the WWF Championship. I almost put No Way Out 01 because of the, uh, the Stone Cold and Triple H Three stages of hell match. Three stages that's of always, hell match. Yeah. That's always one that I. That I was remember. no way out. Yeah, that was no way out. Yeah. Huh. 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 But uh, uh, yeah, the other one, so many. the other big match on the, the the other reason that I'm calling back to No Mercy '99 was that was where you had what I think was the beginning of the great tag era of what we saw at towards the end of the Attitude Era, where you had the New Brood with the Hardy Boys and Gangrel yeah. beating oh, Edge and Christian Christ. before the cutover, right? Uh, right before uh, we started getting TLC, yeah. Right, but right before the Dudleys came in, right before um, mm. you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah, uh, I'll throw No Mercy 99 in there. All right. Um, that was probably one of mine. I got to go with uh, the rest of mine are mostly moments that aren't in the Attitude Era are Daniel Bryan's uh, gauntlet that he had to run. Uh, at Evolution, I believe that was thirty-two. WrestleMania, that was thirty. Was thirty? You're right. Thirty. Seth was thirty-one. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's a that's a big one for me. And the run up to that was one of the better years of wrestling that I can remember. Uh, as much as they just kept, if you guys loved the Co- Kofi screw over earlier this year, Daniel Bryan going through that whole thing and Occupy Raw and all of the things that led to Daniel Bryan's Ooh. comeuppance. You know another one that like might have just missed my list. If you want, if we were listing ones that just missed our list, yeah, Money in the Bank 2011, Dolph Ziggler, CM Punk, John Cena, Punk Chicago winning, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, so Punk winning and running off in the crowd. Are you talking about Cena winning the briefcase, or no? I'm sorry, my, no, it was not Money in the Bank. It was um, crap. It was uh. Uh, Ziggler won in two thousand ten. It was money in the bank. It was money in the bank. 
Because remember, there's then um, didn't uh, yeah Del Rio like ran out at the end and tried to cash in, and then Punk uh, scampered off in the crowd. I was one of the best show. I, that show was yeah, lights right, out. Right, right. Punk beat Cena. That's right. Mm-hmm. If if Cena did not retain the t- title, he would be fired. That was the that's oh, okay. Now I'm coming. I'm coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming around to it. On that's uh, the last the last the WWE five star match, I believe. That was Daniel Bryan, uh, winning the Money in the Bank ladder match. Cody Rhodes, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, Kane, Sin Cara, Sheamus, Wade Barrett. God, what a what a lineup! <laughs> Mark, Mark Henry Lord. and Big Show also on that card. Oh man, that was that was prime era Mark Henry right there. That was talk about a guy with a late career resurgence. Yeah. Like that Hall of Pain era Mark Henry was. Mm, mm, mm. 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 All right, so I, I think that's. Is that was that so I said I loved I don't remember which WrestleMania was, but it was <laughs> Rusev coming out in the tank for the US that's 30, title that's, match. That's thirty one. That was thirty one as well. Yes. Okay. All right. So thirty one is trust kind me, of, I was there. <laughs> yeah, it was thirty one is has a lot of my good moments and thirty right before that with Daniel Bryan stuff. Yep. Those two are right in my top three, top five list. Thank you very much for that question, Patrick. That's one I'd love to go back and like. We could do that. We could cards. do that alone for an hour. Yep. Exactly. Easily. Easily. Next up, Lionel or Lionel. I please let me know how to pronounce that properly. If it's Lionel or Lionel, I'm not sure there. Uh, hi guys, how you doing? Great show, like always. Which are your favorite storylines of all time, and why? Oh um, Jesus! This one's this one's easy for me. Oh yeah. I, have, I guess it's so, easy for me too. Like if I really stop. Okay, what, what's it? What is it? What is it for you first? Go so for I, it. So I have two. One is serious, oh, and the other one is because I'm oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a goofy twelve year old boy, right? Oh no! Uh, the, the first the, the one, blood wrestling match, isn't it? No, it's not the oh, Braun okay. panties match, Russo. Okay, sorry, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, no, I'm going to say it's the the breakup of the Shield and the rise of Seth Rollins. Really? It's it's probably one of my all time favorites. Very very closely tied. To what I was just saying, the Daniel Bryan rise, you know, my my goofy, silly one is the whole, and you're going to laugh. You guys are going to laugh so hard. You might already know what this is because I've said it before. The whole angle of Triple H taking a drunk Stephanie to Vegas to marry her away from test. What? All of that from a story. Of the the decades and decades of wrestling, those are your two favorite like angles storylines you have to keep in mind i actually like the invasion angle you didn't so we're we're very you like different. the invasion angle yeah i loved dx you know so it's we're ladies and gentlemen this respect. has been the final episode of the busted wide open podcast <laughs> we are officially retiring as of this moment no it's our first one it's oh, our first sorry. patrick mailbag <laughs> right, right sorry you scared the crap out of me there how do you like the invasion oh god oh my god anyway. All right, uh, all right. I'm a sucker uh, for the soap opera, so that I remember. That was it, not even good soap. That was terrible. Oh, it's God. my teenage formative years. You just remember stuff like that, and I re- I distinctly remember, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the things that have happened in the last five to six years. It's like me remembering Flight of the Navigator is a good movie. It's terrible. I know. That's what I'm saying. Right. That's 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 where oh, you're right. at. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to understand your ridiculous <laughs> side here. Uh, all right, so my favorite storylines. I, I, so I'm. There's a bunch I could call out. You know, Punk Cena, Daniel Bryan. Uh, but I've, I, I've got to go with the one. I, I actually, and it, this is this is close because there's like the superpowers back in the day, or mega powers. Excuse me, with the uh, Hogan and and Macho Man. The mega powers. Mega powers, man. Uh, was was such a big one, but the the one that because I was kind of out of wrestling a little bit, like I pick it up here and there, but I wasn't really watching religiously through a lot of the nineties, uh, through about like four or five years in the nineties. I was I was in yeah. school for God's sake. Same uh, into the nineties. Uh, the 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 storyline that brought me back was like so many people was Austin McMahon. But totally. specifically because that was that was a that was a big overarching storyline for years. Specifically, the one that made me go from casually watching every so often and being like, "Oh, that happened. Oh, that happened. Okay, cool." To I need to watch this every damn week. The very specific moment was where McMahon 
sicked both Kane and Undertaker on Stone Cold. And the Brothers of Destruction angle, uh, where Stone Cold had to face down both Undertaker and Kane, and how Undertaker and Kane weren't quite on the same page, and Mr. McMahon was like, tenuously had a hold over them, but then also, like, Stone Cold's like, how the hell do I beat these two monsters? That's got to be my favorite of all time. That was just such an epic. I, I, could, I could say Mankind winning the belt and the whole story arc with Mankind and Mr. McMahon I loved as well. Um, but right around then, just the dynamic of Mr. McMahon and the, you know, the corporation and the way that everyone else in the company had their different ways of playing off of that authority group, yeah. uh, uh, stable, was some of my favorite stuff. You know, whether it was, was Mankind sucking up to Mr. McMahon. You know, people forget that the reason Mankind wears the white shirt and the tie, he originally was wearing that, like, you know, brown, supposedly leather getup. He changed into the tie and the shirt because he was trying to impress Mr. McMahon that he could be a member of his corporate team. And now that's just his uniform. That's what he wears all the time. Yeah. Right? Now that's what everyone thinks of with Mankind is the shirt and tie. Um, but that all came about because of this angle. So, yeah, that, that, that era of the corporation, McMahon, Brothers of Destruction, all of that. So that's, That led to so many cool moments. So too. much stuff. Um, I, you know, I, do we call, I guess we could call it a storyline. I guess that's what I was thinking of because it's, it, it encompasses so much stuff uh, and, and initiated a lot of things uh, coming through that, that whole, the whole part of Attitude Era was just, God, that was such a key pivotal part of it. Anyway, yeah, that's good stuff. And it really, like, the Stone Cold McMahon thing really cemented my fandom of wrestling. Like, up until that point, of course, we got the beer truck and the milk truck and all of these things, like, everything for me. I became a hardcore fan Yeah. during the McMahon-Stone Cold rivalry. And for some reason, thing. the people in our chat are bringing up Katie Vick and, Stone, and, and Triple H jumping in the casket. Like, we're talking about good storylines here, guys. <laughs> Not ones that well, nearly except, ruin the company. Except for mine, right? Good Lord. Well, <laughs> Triple H Triple H marrying a drug, Stephanie. Yeah, that doesn't rank up there, bro. And the test, the test wedding. It, not, not so much. Good Lord. <laughs> but it is still funny if you go back and watch it. The whole yeah. wedding ceremony with test and all that stuff. Rest mm. in peace, buddy. That's, uh, <laughs> thank you, Lionel, for that question. That's, uh, that's another one that we could just riff on for an hour uh, with you guys. Uh, next up, Will. Do you think Fury will end up in a match with Braun down the road or was Crown that Jewel. possibly just a ratings or public so I you answered it you asked that question last night we now know it's been yeah you know well, it's, it's no, probably going to be a thing Fury Braun Strowman is not official yet Fury is coming out on Monday Night Raw probably to do some sort of angle with Braun probably a lot like uh, Big Show and um, uh, what's his name the loudmouth boxer who can't read um, uh, Mayweather yeah thank you Mayweather yeah. At WrestleMania, where they had that angle. Um, that uh, That's what this feels like. It feels like another publicity stunt. And there will probably be some sort of match at some point. Who knows? B uh, Braun is basically the new big show at this point, which is really sad. So I yeah. think that he's he could be a lot more than that. But then again, they could have very easily booked Braun to be what they're trying to do with Kane Velasquez, and I think I've been saying that for over a year now. And it's well, yeah, except yeah. the perception is that Kane's legit, but that's that's the thing is they don't want to try to make their own people legit. They just want to steal legitimacy from other places. Um, Big Show could have been so much more than he was, but you know that's that's a number of factors. So yeah, the, I think this will be an angle. We'll probably see some sort of match out of it, and it's quite possible it will be a crown jewel. Yeah. Oh, well. There you go, Will. I know you probably don't like that answer, but it is what it is. Uh, did we do one? Patrick snuck another one in here. With the possibility of Stone Cold and Edge possibly wrestling again, who would you like to see them feud with? So let's assume, for the hypothetical sake of the question, that Edge is cleared and he is going to have another run, and Stone Cold is cleared and he's going to have another run. Who would you like to see each of them feud with? Uh, Stone Cold. Oh, actually, okay, Edge, AJ Styles. Yes, would be amazing. Oh God, <laughs> uh, that hurt you there, Nick. Oh, and man, uh, Stone Cold. I don't. 
Here's the thing. Stone Cold's a tough one. Edge, uh, you know, I could see a few different people with. AJ was just the first one that popped in my head as being a great idea. Stone Cold's tough because Stone Cold would have to kick the ass of whoever the hell he's feuding with. And that's a, that's a much more limited number of people. They'd have to be the kind of smarmy heel that could get over a couple of times on Stone Cold but have him whip their ass in the end, right? That's a very limited list at this point in WWE. Yeah. Um, if you did it right, you might be able to pull it off with Lashley. You might be able to pull it off with Nakamura and Sami Zayn. Maybe Corbin? Um, for sure, Corbin. Corbin, but I think Corbin Stone Cold would probably be pretty good. I, I the thing is, is that everyone would hate the idea of that. If you said Corbin is Stone Cold, Stone Cold's coming back, and his opponent is Baron Corbin, people are like, "What? No, come on! There's so many other people." Of all the people, of all the people, <laughs> but that's what Baron Corbin's for. Yes, literally his role. What um, we were talking about earlier on the show with the yeah. Rock and all that. That's that's kind of what he's. But I would. I also would rather it be somebody else. I'm trying to think of who else it could be, and that's the only people I'm coming up with right now. But can you have Stone Cold lose a match? So here's the thing for me: if Stone Cold came back, I would love for it to be in some other capacity, where he came in, ran in for a save, or and just whipped every. Because what were some of the biggest Stone Cold moments you loved? It's when he was the one guy that ran into an, a broken down melee in the ring and just stunned everybody, leveled the ring, clapped two beers together, and drank and walked out. Right, right. That's Stone Cold in a nutshell. It sure. wasn't the one-on-one matches and feuds that he had that you remember Stone Cold for. So I would love to see Stone Cold come back. Dare I say, general manager, some kind of capacity where he. He's in charge and he runs shit. And you don't mess around in Stone Cold's house or he will come out and stunner your Whoop ass. Whoop your ass, yeah. And then pour beer all over you and give you the double fingers, right? <laughs> that would be special, wildly entertaining to me. Special enforcer, general manager, Stone Cold. Yes. Okay. That's what I would like to see Stone Cold as. Right. I don't know that. I, He's his own on, security force? Well, because of what you said, you're exactly right. I don't know that you can have Stone Cold come out and, and eat a pen. He's one of he's one of the few legends that I don't believe needs to put anybody over, and the reason for that is no one is on his level, and that's WWE's fault, not anybody else's fault. It's WWE's yeah. fault. No one is on Stone Cold's level, and I don't think anyone should be taking that rub off of Stone Cold. Same with The Rock, right? There's some people you can get like get it over. Mankind, Kurt, Kurt Angle, those guys like they were huge back in the day. But Triple H, right? Triple H is putting people over now. Stone Cold and The Rock, they're the two. I'm like, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. They shouldn't be putting anybody over. I got it. I just thought of it. Shane McMahon. Oh, come on. <laughs> Hear me out. All right. <laughs> Do we Here. need to make this part of ladies the fantasy and, booking? Ladies and gentlemen, if, you, if you're new to the show, uh, Nick has a propensity to put on his tinfoil hat and go off wildly into Howl booking land. So let's all take a nice little journey down this uh, shit-covered garden path into the wonderful world of Nick Howell's booking. Go ahead, sir. Take it away. Loosely based around, I whipped your daddy's ass, and now I can whip yours, too. You know, if it had been in the middle of this best-in-the-world run that Shane has had for the better part of 2019, it it could have worked. Had him come in and be the one that took Shane McMahon down instead of Kevin Owens. They kind of anointed Kevin Owens to do that, but you could have had Stone Cold come out and do it, too. Uh, maybe as part of the ladder match that they, that we just had um, on the debut of SmackDown on Fox Friday Night SmackDown, I should say. You know, he was he was uh, supposed to be there, and there was a lot of people that were disappointed that he didn't show up. He was advertised to be there alongside The Rock, but yeah, how do you, how do you open and with Undertaker. The Rock? And Undertaker and was advertised Taker. to be there too. Ooh, yeah. But did did they did they worry that they were going to wash away the opening with the rock if they later brought out taker and stone cold i would love to hear have heard what the logic was well, to not have those guys come out they had stone cold cut like a pre-taped promo before the whole show talking about everything and that was pretty much yeah. that was the stone cold that was stone cold that was the bad show. It was uh, my one my one critique of, of of stone cold versus shane is that it, people, a lot of people would say oh you're just doing you're trying to capitalize on Stone Cold McMahon again. You're you're trying to repeat history, so that's why I think that wouldn't work. Is too many people would be like, ah, oh, they're just repeating history again. All right. So, 
that's my that's my criticism of that. Um, I in the in the chat they suggested Champa, which <laughs> is intriguing. Is intriguing. I like broken the, neck off. Uh, <laughs> Esmeralda Esmeralda says bald bastard versus bald bastard. I, I'm down. He said it, it would just be some bitch and not son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that some bitch. Bald bastard, some bitch versus bald bastard, son of a bitch. <laughs> Patrick, thank you very much for that, uh, for your second question. And guys, there's no limit on, we're doing the dedicated show now. If you have more than one question, feel free to throw, throw them in. Just Correct. wanted to lay that in. Lay Let's that go. Out there. Let's go. As me stand in bear. Hey. hey, guys. I was in attendance on SmackDown this Friday. And she's in attendance right now. Hey, all in right. In the chat live. All right. I must say, after the show... Oh, oh, we get a little dark here. Hang on. Oh, good. Oh, I like that. Uh, I was in attendance on SmackDown this Friday, and I must say, after the show was over, there was a distinct air of disappointment. Yeah, no like kidding. People expect, <laughs> I, I can't imagine why. Yeah. Like, people expected more. What are some fantasy feuds that can keep people... Or can get people or keep people interested? Or... What does SmackDown need to seriously change to not feel like such a gorgeous, delicious-looking meal that just leaves you constantly unsatisfied? Mm. Great, great question. Mm. Mm. Well, me, well put, well said. Crack my knuckles here. Well and, uh, said. Um. Uh. Well, first of all, I think that I think we just touched on why there was a disappointment. First of all, you had that absolute just gut-wrenching finish to Kofi Kingston's WWE title reign. And then, you know, kind of like a, a, not even a tease of Velasquez Lesnar. It was just kind of there for a couple seconds and then gone. And then no dark matches, no 205 live this week. The lights just came up and pff, that was it. You know, as we said, they advertised Stone Cold Undertaker to be there. They weren't there. Um, very dangerous to advertise things that don't happen and then put on a show that leaves the crowd upset when this is supposed to be. And then Lesnar us at the end of the show. And then Lesnarize us. Yeah. Which I think is the thing. I think we absolutely after after how many years now being Lesnarized at the end of a pay per view is absolutely a thing. So, um, as far as that goes, really I think dumb way to end that show for WWE, and they got what they deserve with the AEW chance and the booze, uh, and the air of disappointment, as Esmeralda says here. Um, what, as far as like, uh, what does she say? Fa- fantasy feuds. I, I mean, the the it's it's kind of wide open right now because we are getting the draft next week. Um, but here's here's my problem with you know quote unquote fantasy feuds. It's not just and, and I'm going to use this again. It's not who, it's how. You I, we we there are very few um, matchups we could see in WWE right now, which is crazy to think because of the size of the roster. Uh, but there's very very few people you can line up together that's going to feel fresh and new it's how you line them up it's how you have them face each other kofi Um, is a great example of that earlier this year on his run-up to mania to ultimately become the champion yeah how they handled that and responded to the crowd reaction made us care invested us it's why we've given a shit about kofi kingston at all outside of throwing pancakes and dancing all year yeah so my take on that is, had like we said on the show, had they, had they given Kofi a chance, <laughs> give Kofi a chance. Had they given Kofi a chance to run up and hit all of his moves, try his best to uh, beat up Brock Lesnar, and just show that he Brock is just this insurmountable monster. Fine, give give me three to five minutes of of just that. No, we got a three-second F5 done. Um, that was, like you said, how. But if we're talking about what are some fantasy feuds that can keep people getting engaged, I agree with you. It's it's not about... I mean, you can't just keep bringing legends back and playing to the lapsed fans. You've got to... Like, they were doing a little bit of both last night. So I, I don't know if there are any fantasy feuds. It's more about how. Yeah, it really is about how. Because you could have Ricochet and Nakamura. That's right off the bat. That's an interesting one, right? For lots of reasons, historically speaking, and then also just as far as you know how they would interact. But if it's just Ricochet and Nakamura, then it's going to feel like Ali and Nakamura, which we're having right now, and doesn't really feel that special. It's fine. Yeah. It's cool, but whatever. 
But if you build it as Ricochet is this high-flying machine and Nakamura is just a striker, all he's got to do is catch Ricochet with one, you know what I mean? Like, and, and have it be built as a conflict of styles. Nakamura is a little bit put off by the high-flying. Ricochet, you know, has got a weak chin, doesn't want to get hit by one of Nakamura's big strikes, plus the Sami Zayn factor. You know, you could actually build that into something interesting. Uh, or it could just be flat like Ali and Nakamura is right now. Um, you know, th- there's there's a few that, that are like that where if you put people together, you could have an interesting feud with them. Yeah. Um, you could have had an interesting feud with Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley earlier this year. But instead we got arm wrestling and, and rope uh, tug, tug, tug of war. You know, that could have been a really interesting feud. It's just how they present it to me. Um, Alistair Black comes back and faces AJ Styles. Could be awesome. Could be terrible. Um, so it's not even about fantasizing what people on their roster face each other. It's fantasizing about them doing it right. You know, I've always, I've, I always want them to do someone the way that Bray Wyatt's doing himself right now. For the, the three years we've been doing this show, Nick, uh, most of it has been me spent lamenting at how awful Bray Wyatt has been treated and how awful his gimmick has, had become. And to have him go away and come back and be firing on this many cylinders, that's fantasy booking to me. That's, yeah. That is like a fantasy, like, oh my God, they're actually nailing a storyline. They're nailing a character. Big time. Um, for me, like when I, I don't fantasy book, like wouldn't it be great if so-and-so faced so-and-so at this point with WWE? I used to. And then we had John Cena versus Nakamura, Randy Orton versus Nakamura. Um, all these dream matches I thought I wanted. AJ Styles versus Nakamura in WWE. AJ Styles versus John Cena, which was actually a really good feud. Finn um, Balor, Nakamura. Finn Balor, Nakamura. All this... Uh, Nakamura with everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, where, what happened? Uh, but not just those. There's a lot of like these, these dream matches that have happened over the last few years, and, I'm, and they, just, they just fell flat because of the storyline. So at this point, it's more, can WWE pay off a storyline? That's them, the Daniel Bryan rise, WrestleMania 30, like that whole thing, that's a fantasy booking for me. When they, when they pay off a storyline right. Um, Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. That was the fantasy, right? That was fantasy booking. Them Becky paying two off the belts. They, and uh, even that, they, they kind of screwed up. They almost effed that up completely. They, they um, did eff it up. I'd well, absolutely I mean, her getting, I'm talking about her coming into the, getting into the rumble, uh, you know, and doing all of that. I think the stuff that she was doing with yeah, Ronda, it worked prior. great to the rumble. It great, worked great till the end of the rumble. And that was it. Even yeah. Seth around that time was great. Anyway. So yeah. So for yeah. me, it's not who, it's the stories that are, go along with it. Like you if, could, if you, you can could swap in anybody doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, and we've said this before on the show. It's it's how you book them. You could book it. What was the line you said? It was you could book. Given six months of storyline, anybody could be booked to the champion. Yeah, uh, not anybody, but yeah, <laughs> but yes, pretty much. Not not a champion, but you can you can book anyone over six months and get them over. Kofi Kingston did it off of one match. That's because it's that, Kofi Kingston. He's special. You know that that elimination chamber match with with Daniel Bryan. For so, God's I, sake, that, Ellsworth Ellsworth got over in no time yeah. because of, because of how they booked him. So great question, Esme. I I just I there's again there's so much stuff to think about there other than who. Yeah, who it is. It's almost irrelevant who in a way. Hmm. Good thing to think about. Thank you very much, Esme. Uh, next up, Andy Jessup. What's up, champ? Uh, what's more important? Ooh, philosophy. I like philosophy. Mm. Putting together a great TV show or putting together a great wrestling show? Which is better? What's No, no, no. It's not which is better. That's subjective. What's more it's important? More important. I, I'd say that's subjective too because it really comes down to what you're going for. Are you going for, for uh, artistic credibility or are you going for ratings? Uh, if, you're going um, for, if you're going for both, I would say a good show. To be honest with you, because you can have an hour show with one wrestling match and have people engaged and wanting to watch your show if you put on a good show. Here's my answer. I watch weekly shows for good TV. I watch pay-per-views for good wrestling. Hmm. And if you smatter in some some wrestling into my TV show every week, fine, great. I'll 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 lap it up. So that's but, that's the WWE standard of how things like that's that they do TVs and pay-per-views in that yeah. way. Yeah. 
and and that's I I uh, not but every, if you not play, not but in the absence of good TV, I find that I don't enjoy the wrestling shows as much because I am such an indoctrinated WWE fan. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the over the years, and I think this is one of the things that New Japan, that uh, some of the lucha stuff, that's so they can put on amazing wrestling shows. But if there's no investment or stakes or understanding of storyline or anything like that, that's you know, dare I say, pounded or beaten you over the head with or shoved down your throat. At least you're kind of you're there. You're invested in some kind of storyline, not just a, a pinfall or submission. Right. And I, and I think that's the core differentiator there. And something else that, that's just kind of inherent in the question here, where he says, what's, what's better, putting on a, a great TV show or a great wrestling show? That also draws the line between TV show and live, because I would rather have a live show with some great wrestling than a bunch of people talking. If I'm at a live event, I don't want to hear people in the ring talking. I want to see some action. Yeah. But if I'm on TV, that those talking segments can sometimes be more entertaining than a 20-minute uh, you know, <laughs> match full of a bunch of rest holds. True. So, you know, that's that's a bit of it too. Um, because, you know, I, for instance, I just went and saw the Super Juniors show for New Japan down in Long Beach. And there was, I'd say, a fair amount of story going into it. Um, and they established more story as the show went on. And I think by the end of the show, they had a pretty good storyline going. But it was just all wrestling. There was very little jaw jacking aside from that yeah um will couple, james like in the two chat or, just two or three promos cut will james in the chat just kind of made my point for me if good wrestling were more important stone cold and the rock wouldn't be the idols they are today interesting point there stone cold is actually a fantastic wrestler but was forced to work a brawling style because of that neck injury and then the knee surgeries and everything else he had to change his style um but so it wasn't that he couldn't wrestle whereas rock is an average i would say an average wrestler average to good wrestler yeah. Um, He's an amazing but, but, he, athlete. but Will's absolutely right. They didn't get over on their wrestling. That was a foundation. But that's also, again, how WWE does its TV. Um, you know, you know, you look at people who are massively over in, say, like Japan, and New Japan is a is a big damn company, and they get over on pretty much pure wrestling. But there's character there, but their shows are almost pure wrestling. Um, there's story, but it's just handled story, in but different it's ways. Very wrestling or in centric. press conferences and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but again, I think that the term important refers well depends on what you're going for. Are you going for the artistic um, accomplishment? You know, where you're trying to put on the best professional wrestling show there is, or are you going for sports entertainment? Because if you're going for sports entertainment, then absolutely, like putting on a good TV show is more important. Are but, you, and the rest are you here secondary. to watch a soap opera or are you wanting to see the circus? Because the circus will give you all kinds of feats of strength sure. and great spectacle and things like that. I'm the, I'm kind of there for the soap opera, if I'm being honest. I definitely want to see the circus right. once a month or right. once a quarter, right? But I, I don't want to see that every week. Well, let's... let's, I, let's. I, I'm, I want to eat the soap opera, watch the soap opera and eat chips and drink beer and... You know, enjoy the TV show that's being. Well, then shown. let's talk about what I, what you and I both agree is the best wrestling show on the planet right now, and that's NXT. Yeah. And AEW beat them this week on every on every metric. Um, I think AEW had some better actually technical matches, but oh, sorry, NXT had a better technical matches, but AEW had a better show. Right. So let's look at that. What was more important this week? Putting on a better show, and NXT I think has the best balance of storylines and drama and soap opera and excellent wrestling that's out there right now consistently on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. AEW came out this week and had a show with some very solid wrestling, but the show was better. And whether their giant ratings have to do with the novelty of it and the fact that it's their first week, or if six weeks down the row, it's not down the road, excuse me, six weeks down the road, if AEW puts on that same quality of show and NXT puts on the same quality of show, how will the ratings look? Yeah, will the novelty absolutely. have worn off? Will they have leveled off? Um, you know, because that'll be the tail of the the, the, the tail of the tape right there. That's what I want to see. Uh, let's w- let's get to Christmas. Let's get to the three months from now and see right. what January one looks like. You know, um, that so I think that'll be very telling. I attribute almost all of that ratings spike to uh, for AEW two. I I'm <laughs> I'm loath to believe that there's that much interest in professional wrestling on a Wednesday evening. 
yeah, I have to believe that a lot of that is hype and social media and the way that they're working stuff for both NXT and AEW in the cumulative to have that much household ratings on a Wednesday night. I think there's a surprising number of people out there that want to watch wrestling that aren't watching WWE. Um, and the fact that there were still 800,000 people that watched NXT, that's still yeah. a freaking huge number. Like we're, we're saying, we're saying, oh, AEW crushed them. And they did. They put down stunning numbers for, for, for the first week. Um, if we can retain 2.2 mil, uh, million people watching wrestling on a Wednesday night, yeah, and they, you know, they vacillate between the two shows, that's amazing. I think those people are out there. I really do. I agree. I, I think agree. that those numbers are out there, people that are interested in it. It's a question of where they go once they settle in. There's not a lot of soap in. opera. There's not a lot of TV show soap opera between those two shows, though, like you would typically get on Raw or SmackDown. Well, not that's relative to Raw or SmackDown. That's that's right. kind of my point, though, is I feel like they're doing too much on Raw and SmackDown, and it's not being done well enough, and it's driving people away. I agree with that. So... But it's yeah. more traditionally what they what they're known for. It's the reason they've had the ratings and the most longest running episodic TV shows in history, and it's the reason that they just got a billion dollars a piece for each of their shows. Yeah. So I, I again, it's what's more important. Again, it's subjective. It's not which is but better. It's, also, it's not a competition between each of the different brands. It's really about what puts butts in seats right. at events and what puts eyeballs on a channel. Uh, for ad buys and things like that, and, and I, I think it's a yeah. good, it's a guilty combination of both. Right, it's not one or the other. Well, uh, yeah, mm. but I, th I think that if you had to put your thumb on one and weight it, I think that you've got to get that a good TV show, and the yeah. and the people's appreciation of good wrestling comes later. Uh, before social media and before YouTube and before all of that stuff, the thing that made us lose our minds was Jim Ross just oh, just going. Stone Cold's driving something, a forklift through a truck, stings in the rafters. We'll see you next week, folks. And they just cut to black, yeah. and you have to, oh, my God. <laughs> what just happened? I can't wait for next week. What just happened? That that stuff. Cliffhanger right. me. Leave me hanging. Big drops at the end. The stuff that NXT does really well um, with surprise returns and things. Well, put it th how about of, this? That's how about good this, TV. How about this? The wrestling is the meat in the sandwich. Or if you're a vegetarian, it's the bean burger. Um, and hey. or the mushroom, it's the shiitake mushroom. Um, the, the show is everything else, right? It's the lettuce and the pickles and the mustard and the mayonnaise and the bread and, you know, or pita or whatever. If you're gluten free, it's the extra lettuce. Um, and if otherwise it's just a, you know, piece of deli meat on your hand. Are you doing my burger analogy now from a couple of weeks ago <laughs> from earlier this week? No, I'm doing a sandwich analogy. It's very different. Oh, I'm sorry. Very yeah, different. Yes. Very different. Go, continue. Go ahead. Sorry. That was that was it. Oh, okay. That was it. All yeah. Right. It's it's if you if it's just a wrestling match, you have no idea who the two people are. It can be the most delicious piece of deli meat you ever had, but you're still it's going to be kind of, it's not going to be as good as if you have all the trimmings and everything else, right? All that fancy crap is what makes it. We don't need to say any more. Esmeralda just said it in the chat. Make me care. Make yeah. me stand up and make me yell at my TV. Boom. Bam. Done. I don't care if that's wrestling or if that's soap opera or a combination of both. Make me give a shit. I'm saying it's make me yell. I'm saying TV. it's a combination of both. You can't yeah, just have one or the other. You can't have one or the other. Thank you very much, Andy. Great question there. Thanks, really champ, makes you champ. think about uh, about how how you consume your wrestling. Uh, last but certainly not least, Billy. Everyone here has a pretty similar story about a dad, uncle, friend, or someone who showed them wrestling for the first time. <laughs> not me. But, I showed myself wrestling. I showed myself yeah. wrestling. What's the storyline that got you guys into wrestling? The story or the angle that made you a fan and made you say, "Yep, this wrestling thing is for me." Billy, did you did did you listen to our question earlier? The, the, we we answered that one. No, we didn't. For Ian, you oh, said we, we said, we said favorite. Thing. We said favorite storylines, not the ones that got us in. No, you this actually. Off, I understand, but off the side of that, you said the one thing that cemented you as a hardcore fan was the Stone Cold ah, stuff. But this is a different answer. I have oh, a different okay. The one that got me into wrestling is not the same one as the one that made me a what hardcore is, fan. So I said, in the late what's 90s. the storyline that got you into wrestling? Yes. Oh, he's talking okay. about when we were kids. I'm talking about when I was at, when I was in college. I went, you know, I I watched. Okay, my timeline, Nick, is I watched wrestling as a kid, Saturday mornings, all of that, right? And I was the only person I knew who watched it. Literally the only person. Not my family. Not my friends. Only I watched this stuff. And as a result, at a certain point, I had no one to talk to about it. I loved it. I kind of phased out of it when I went into high school and I got into other extracurricular stuff and I didn't have time to watch the wrestling. Yeah. 
As the 90s went on, though, it became more of a cultural phenomenon. I got back into it largely because of the Stone Cold storyline. And I went back and caught up in everything I missed because I got into a group of people that all were tape trading. So we started like I started, got back into all the stuff that I missed. But there was stuff in the 80s that got me into wrestling the first, that hooked me in the first place. And I've talked about some of them on the show before. Um, and it's funny, actually, now that I think of it, I'm not sure which one was the first one. I'd have to go back and actually look when things happen because you know when you're a kid and like you just remember that things happen not necessarily the sequence of events so i can't remember which one was the first one chronologically uh, off the top of my head i'll have to go back and just double check which one was the very first but i remember like a couple of the storylines that that hooked me in that like got me really engaged uh to be to, to start what was yours like i think i know what yours was you mentioned it a few times because you're the one that has the uncle with a satellite dish who beamed him in? You were watching. It was my, gran- uh, it was my grandfather in the eighties. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little kid, eight or ten years old, and he would sit there and chain smoke Camel non filters with me sitting on his lap, and he had the giant satellite dish in the backyard that would have to. You'd press a channel like G six or whatever it was instead of like the big numbers we have today, and you'd just see that thing turning and spinning around out in the backyard, uh, and it would tune in like some like Smoky Mountain wrestling or whatever was being broadcast. You know, on the local airwaves, right? It would mm-hmm. find that somehow. Um, but I, and from there, you know, I that's how I became familiar with Iron Sheik, with Hogan, with uh, uh, Bob Backlund. You know, just the the people that were the names of the '80s. And it wasn't until at that point, me too. I I got into sports and I I got into school and I did all that stuff and, and girls, honestly. Yeah, I just didn't care about that stuff until I came back from college and I had I was roommating rooming with a guy and one random night I came home from school and he had Monday Night Raw on. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember wrestling. That's cool." And it it kind of all started from there. I was probably about 96 time frame. Hmm. And from there it that led into what would become uh beer infused <laughs> watch parties over the course of the next three to four years where 30 people at times would be in our living room watching Monday Night Raw. I'm not kidding. And you, you talk about a fun environment where I would play it just volume all the way up on the receiver, blasting over the speakers. Cops would come. Oh my God. I'm serious. <laughs> there's there's some pictures out there of it. I'm scared to show them. I might. I might try to dig <sighs> them up. Your beer funnels and you know bongs and all kinds of shit. Good going lord! On. Yeah, dude, we we watched wrestling in in the the late nineties. We absolutely loved Monday Night Raw, and it was a big deal for us. So that was where I kind of invested. And over time, I've gone back and pieced a lot of things back together through watching all the WrestleManias and other pay per views. Um, the rise of Flair. Flair was it, it was interesting growing up in Charlotte too because. Flair was a celebrity like Kim Kardashian's a celebrity now. Flair, you knew, whether you were into wrestling or not, you knew who Flair was. He was seen all over Charlotte. He was in the malls shopping. Uh, he was he was everywhere. He was ubiquitous. He he transcended wrestling, even back then. And so, so that's that's kind of my story. Is is you know what was the one thing that got me into it? Well, it was kind of like the boys and girls getting together on Sunday to watch a football game or Saturday. If you're into college, we watched wrestling. We watched Monday night raw. And then I went and worked cause I worked third shift at the time. That was also kind of weird. I would get so amped up and we were, we were stupid 19, 20 year olds, uh, back then doing stupid shit, like going to work drunk, you know, cause that's what you did anyway. Fun timeline, fun dance down memory lane there for you guys. Mm. That's what got me into it was the interaction, the friendships, the, the the circles and the parties and all of that. And, and of course, Monday Night Raw grew into pay-per-views. And then SmackDown started in 99. Was it 99 or 2000? 99, I think. Somewhere around there. So th- that was yet another night where we did all. And, and 20 year, just 20 year anniversary this year, Nick. That helps. 99. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but those yeah, are that's... Blur- those are blurry years for what it's worth. <laughs> I will leave you with that. Oh, oh that's the best. Um, yeah, I, that's 
it's funny because I, I definitely had some blurry years around those times too. But I and I also I you know the first couple of years I watched wrestling were pretty blurry too because it was so freaking long ago and I was a kid. Um, you know I remember uh, like my first impressions of wrestling were like Rowdy Piper wearing the the kilt and uh, stuff like that. But the the moment like I remember really getting into it. Um, there was, it was Roddy Piper and, and Mr. T I remember being a thing. Um, mm, but I don't yeah. remember it clearly. Um, but it was, it was around the time that, uh, cause I remember one of the people that I was always captivated by as a kid was Jake the snake. And we're talking like late eighties, like 89, 90 around that time. I started really getting into, to Jake the snake and, and, in particular, like, you know, I, I would always watch his matches. And he was, it, what was funny about Jake at the time was that um, he kept being booked as a heel, but the fans kept trying to turn him face. And it doesn't matter who he was put against, the fans would cheer for him instead of the other person. Like uh, uh, in 2015, I'm pr- I remember him doing an interview where he was like kind of sarcastically thanking the fans for cheering him during a uh, sort of abortive feud with Hulk Hogan. Because he gave Hogan a DDT, and the fans started chanting DDT, and McMahon was like, "No, no, 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 no! Uh, you you can't feud with him because they like you too much." And so, like that would have been huge money for him, and he was like, "Why did you guys have to like me so much? I could have made so much money with that." Right. And they took that away from me because I, you, you guys like me too much. Um, so it was around that time that I started like really just being obsessed with Jake the Snake, and kind of the first like really major angle that I remember sticking was Earthquake sitting on Damien. Earthquake killing Jake the Snake's snake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, yeah. he had the bag, and it was like the bag was like full of hamburger meat and, and a little motor, and he sat on him, <laughs> crushed it. Like, t- two Earthquake splashes, and he sat on him. And then you got Jake like looking in the bag and crying, and like little me was absolutely devastated by this. Uh, just wrecked. And that was, I think, a little bit. Now, again, you know, my timeline's off. I don't remember if that was first or Jake snicking the snake, the snake on Macho Man. I don't remember if that was first. Um, I think Damien getting squashed was first, um, and I think Mega Powers was before that too. And that was a really big angle that started me off as well. But right around there, like those are the ones that I remember being the things that got me into wrestling. Like was loving Jake the Snake. Uh, and just being like to this day, I still can't look at Earthquake the same way. I, I oh. every time I see him, I'm like that, that son of a bitch. It, what's Tenta. worse, Earthquake killing the snake, or, or Fale, Earthquake in a in a, in or a, in a Fale murdering Daryl? Oh, no, no, not even a comparison. Not even a comparison. Absolutely, Earthquake killing Damien. Oh, sorry, Daryl, you came back. Now all we need is Takahashi to come back, and I'll be everything will be all right. <laughs> yeah, get well, Hiromu. Uh, yeah, seriously, get well, buddy. But uh, yeah, so that's that's those are my mega powers. Jake the Snake and and getting having the snake get squashed, or if Macho Man getting chomped on by the King Cobra and the ropes happened mm. before then. I don't think it did, but if it did happen before then, then that's that's the one. So yeah, great questions this week, great guys. Question, man. Yeah, you guys, you guys really brought it this week. Thank you very much for this. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this special edition. Uh, we're going to start it off. It's just a new separate series that you'll find in a playlist on the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll be pulling the audio out and putting those up in the uh, in the audio-only podcast feed as well. So in case you didn't make the live stream or you can't watch it here on YouTube, we'll put it in your ear holes yeah. you know, on the podcast feed as a separate you know, special bonus episode kind of thing. Uh, don't want to confuse it with the patron bonus episodes, but it's something we're going to be doing every single week. Instead of putting it into the actual main shows, wanted to break it out and give it its own dedicated time so we could give you guys some more access. So thank you, everybody, for all your questions this week. Uh, if you would like to, if you're listening to this and you're not a patron and you'd like to get your questions in, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. All you need to be at is the $5 tier to be able to send in your questions, but the $10 tier is where it really kicks in. You get all of that bonus content that we've got locked away there behind Patreon. Uh, us talking about all kinds of stuff, doing special, some other special stuff we've got planned for oh, other yeah. non-WWE recaps of other pay-per-views. Uh, more and more content that we want to bring you guys. Um, but you guys are helping us do it with Patreon. So thank you. Thank you very much. It also helps us avoid doing ads, 
which yes, you know, that's if you guys don't like it. Inevitably, that comes. Inevitably, yeah. that shows up at some point. But we're doing our best to 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 try and curtail that to an extent. But there will be a time, probably next year, where we start doing that. Um, but we'll but still keep it as minimal as possible. Yeah, as min- minimal as possible. But you guys doing Patreon has helped us curtail that almost completely up until this point. Other than our lovely friends at Blueberry uh, at the start of every show, but. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast right here live for all of our content on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Please, please, please make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube mm. channel because that is that is uh, one of our big goals for now. It was trying to get there by last year. We're trying to rush Fox, it. We're trying to rush it. Yeah. By when Fox debuted. But <laughs> let's. Um, as soon as we can we'll get, get to 1,000 subscribers, a lot of cool stuff opens up, not only for us, but for you guys as well yeah. on YouTube. And we can't wait to get there so that we can start doing even more on YouTube. So please make sure you subscribe to our channel. That's really the only gating factor we need. We've got all the content and all the watch time and all that other stuff. Tell we your friends, tell your family, <laughs> yes. like, share, and subscribe. All that good stuff. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.